Welcome to the Great Detectors of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Be sure to cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley, podcastalley.greatdetectives.net, and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we get started, I want to let you know about Netflix. I've told you before, Netflix brings a world of entertainment to you. Uh, and that can uh, literally be true. I was just reading a news article talking about how many Americans are discovering some great British television shows through the power of Netflix and its Instant Watch library. With uh, more than 20,000 titles and nearly 100,000 DVD titles, there are films to fit everybody's interest. You can begin your free trial by going to netflix.greatdetectives.net or if you're one of our Canadian listeners, go to netflixca.greatdetectives.net. Now it's time for today's episode of Sherlock Holmes, The Remarkable Affair of the Pointless Robbery. Kremel Hair Tonic and Kremel Shampoo present the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. And now for that pleasant moment when we pay our weekly visit to Sherlock Holmes' celebrated friend, the eminent Dr. John H. Watson. Good evening, Mr. Bell. Come in and sit down. Oh, I thought you might have forgotten your date, Dr. Watson, when I saw that your door was closed. <laughs> Not at all, my dear fellow. Rather the opposite. I'm afraid I neglected to keep an eye on the time. I was so deeply engrossed in searching through my files. With satisfactory results, I trust? Well, I hope you will find them so. You may remember after I told you the story of the lion's mane the week before last that you asked if Holmes had any other adventures in his beekeeping days. I do indeed, Dr. Watson. Well, I've been running through my notes concerning the remarkable affair of the pointless robbery. And I think you will find it thrilling enough to keep you... On the edge of your chair. I'm sure we all will, Dr. Watson. But first, men, I'm sure you'll be interested to hear why Kremel hair tonic is preferred among America's most prosperous and successful men. Kremel keeps hair handsomely groomed from morning until night, just the way you combed it in the morning. Kremel contains a special combination of hair grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair tonic. This wonderful, natural-looking hairdressing has just enough light oil to keep hair perfectly groomed with an attractive, healthy-looking luster. Yet Kremel never leaves the hair looking or feeling greasy or sticky. Kremel always looks and feels so clean on both hair and scalp. Be sure to try it, men. K-R-E-M-L, Kremel Hair Tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, what's the story of the pointless robbery? Well, it all began, Mr. Bell, on a delightful summer morning in August 1913. I was spending the first day of a week's holiday visiting Holmes at the small farm on the South Downs to which he'd retired and where he was devoting himself to nothing more serious than the raising of bees. <coughs> I must say, Holmes, that the quality of breakfast here convinces me that I've discovered the real reason for your devotion to rustic life. A very sound deduction, Watson. And there's much to be said for the peaceful atmosphere of the countryside after the noisy hubbub of London. A peace which I fear may be only too transient, Watson. 
I suggest that you omit reading the morning paper during oh, your stay. All that talk of war in Europe, you mean? Nonsense, Holmes. In this year of our Lord, 1913, no civilized nation would dream of resorting to the outmoded fallacies of armed force. I trust you're right, Watson. I trust you're right. But, uh... uh I say, Holmes, you, you've got a visitor. Somebody's coming up the path. It's Mr. Kenmore, the rector of our local church. Another donation is indicated, no doubt. It would take the national budget to keep the church's ancient organ in good repair. Be a good fellow, Watson, and open the door while I refill the teapot. Uh, that you are, Holmes. Good morning, Mr. Holmes. Good morning, Mr. Kenmore. This is my good friend, Dr. Watson. How, How do, do you do, do sir? Doctor? A cup of tea? Uh, no, 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 thank you. No tea. And I must apologize for this unwarranted intrusion at such an early hour. Some pressing matter in connection with the church? Uh, no, Mr. Holmes. The cause of my visit is a most mysterious and disturbing occurrence which took place at my residence last night. Oh, really? Well, suppose you give me the facts. Uh, no doubt it will seem a minor matter to you, but I feel considerable agitation over it. Briefly, at some time last night, the rectory was broken into by thieves who ransacked the entire house, with the exception of the rooms in which my daughter Alice and I were sleeping. Oh, gracious me. And what was stolen? Uh, nothing. Nothing whatever. Was the thief frightened off? No, Mr. Holmes. We knew nothing of it until Alice came downstairs this morning to prepare my breakfast. She found the house in a state of the utmost confusion, obvious signs of forcible entry, and not a single thing missing. Odd. Very odd. I... I hesitate to ask you, Mr. Holmes, to concern yourself with such a trifle, but... You know our worthy constable, Tom Wilson. Yes, an excellent man when it comes to unlighted bicycle lamps, but beyond that... Uh, come, Watson, let's accompany Mr. Kenmore to the rectory and see what we can discover. So you see, Mr. Holmes, as Father told you, absolutely nothing seems to be missing. Not that the possessions of a country rector are of such great value. Nevertheless, that silver service on the sideboard would undoubtedly attract any thief's eye. A family inheritance, Mr. Holmes, one of my few valuables. I see that you've got rather quite a large library, Mr. Kenmore. Any books of great value there? Not at all, Dr. Watson. Sound suggestion, though, Watson. Oh, <laughs> This uh, French window which gives onto the garden seems to be where the thief made his entry. Quite. A circle of glass cut out of one of the panes. Then a gloved hand reaching in to turn the key. A gloved hand, Mr. Holmes? Undoubtedly, my dear. The blurred impressions are quite characteristic. And now that you've seen everything, Mr. Holmes, what do you make of it? It presents a most interesting problem, Mr. Kenmore. The disorder of the rooms would indicate a search for some definite object, even though you assure me that you know of nothing of value in your possession. We must wait for developments. I think you and your daughter should most certainly be on your guard against the thief's return. You really think uh, there Mr. is... Mr. Kenmore, a... my friend is apt to see criminals behind every bush. The natural result of a, a lifelong career. Oh, perhaps, Watson, perhaps. <laughs> well, we must be getting along. Uh, I wonder, Mr. Holmes, if you and Dr. Watson would do me a great favor before oh, you go. Of course, if it's in our power. Well, what is it? Would you think me too bold... If I asked you to let me take a snapshot of you both? Oh, really, Alice. Uh, I gave Alice a camera for her birthday last week, Mr. Holmes, and ever since then she's been making life miserable for everyone. I'm sure you could find two handsomer subjects, my dear. But Watson and I will be glad to have you immortalize our creatures. Yes, of course, naturally. Oh, thank you, Mr. Holmes. 
I brought my camera down from my room, hoping you'd say yes. Well, I'm very sorry. I was just wearing this old Norfolk jacket. <laughs> if you stand here, right beside the front door. Uh, well, just a moment. The wind's blowing my hair about a bit. Ah, there we are. <laughs> All right. Just look this way. Fine. Thank you so much. I hope you'll spare me a print or two if they turn out, my dear. I'll be very glad to. As a matter of fact, that was the last picture in the roll. Now I can take it down to the village and have Mr. Dilworthy, the chemist, develop it for me. I say, we're, we're passing by the chemist's shop. Uh, can't I drop it off for you? Thank you very much, Mr. Watson. That's very kind. Here it is. And thank you again, Mr. Holmes, for your kindness in troubling yourself with my problem. Not at all. And remember, Mr. Kenmore, be on your guard against a return visit. <laughs> Looks to me as though you're falling asleep over your book, Watson. Uh, oh, uh, well, I must admit, Holmes, that the combination of country air and that excellent dinner had a very soporific effect on me. Oh, don't apologize. We country dwellers keep early hours. <laughs> Certainly different from the old days in Baker Street. I'm surprised that you don't miss the excitement of the chase, Holmes. Professor Moriarty was the spice who kept the daily routine from becoming monotonous. But apparently he, too, seems to be in retirement. Oh, have you any news of him, Holmes? The last I heard, Scotland Yard had him fairly definitely located in South America. South America, eh? Which would indicate to anyone knowing the professor as well as I do that he may be anywhere on the face of the globe with the exception of South America. <laughs> well, old fella, I'm going upstairs to sleep to sleep. What the devil's that? The church bell. Come on, Watson. There must be something wrong at the rectory. And I thought the quickest way of raising the alarm, Mr. Holmes, was to sound the church bell. Very wise. Uh, tell me, Mr. Kenmore, what was the first thing you heard? A sharp cry from my daughter awakened me, followed by a thud. I rushed into her room and found her. Well, she'll be all right, don't you worry, Mr. Kenmore. I've had to take several stitches, but she'll have a slight concussion for the next few days. But there's no cause for alarm. Oh, thank heaven, Doctor. When I rushed in and saw her lying on the floor... Her assailant had fled by the time you entered? The open window showed only too clearly the miscreant's path. Well, you keep her in bed for a few days, give her a light diet, and she'll be right as rain. Oh, oh that face, the window... Oh, she's semi-conscious, oh. poor girl, to be quite expected after oh, such a blow. No, don't touch me. Please, there, there on the shelf. No, no. The sleeping draft that I gave her will take effect soon. I blame myself, Mr. Holmes, for not having paid more attention to your warning. But I That's thought... of no importance now, Mr. Kenmore. Uh, what's that? Uh, someone at the door. Pardon me. Wilson, high time you got here. You received my message? Oh, take your message as has brought me here, Mr. Kenmore. Ah, worthy Constable Watson. There's been worse things happening in the village. What is it, Wilson? Oh. oh, good evening, Mr. Holmes. Oh, there's fair devil's work afoot tonight. Well, come, come, my man, what's up? Well, it's Mr. Dilworthy, the chemist. Well, what about him? In his rooms where he lives, back of his shop, dead. Oh, lying there on the floor with his head crushed in something savage. Dilworthy, oh, horrible. Some prowling thief. No, oh, no, sir. With the cash box sitting there in plain sight... With four pound and some odd shillings plain to see and not a penny touched. Dilworthy, wait a moment. 
The ransacking of this house, the attack on Miss Alice, and now this. There's only one common denominator which applies to all three. I don't understand, Mr. Holmes. That film from Alice's camera, Watson. After we left here this morning and went to the village, you left it at Dilworthy's? Of course, I... Oh, it's got a... Oh, matter of fact, Holmes, I'm, I'm afraid I, I forgot all about it. Here's the roll in, in my pocket. I must apologize to Miss Alice. Not a bit of it, Watson. What do you mean, not a bit of it, Watson? I'm convinced that roll of film holds the solution of the mysterious events of the past 24 hours. And due to your convenient lapse of memory, we are in possession of the prize. But what prize are we in possession of? That, Watson, remains to be seen. Come, we just have time to catch the late train for London. A vis visit to Scotland Yard's laboratory will reveal the precious secret which that film is evidently concealing. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll find out what that precious secret is. Men, when you buy a hair tonic, why not buy one that does lots more than just keep hair looking handsome? Why not get your money's worth and buy Kreml hair tonic? No other hair tonic keeps the hair more neatly groomed and attractive looking. In addition, Kreml is simply great to lubricate a dry scalp. At the same time, it removes itchy, loose dandruff and leaves the scalp feeling so clean, refreshed, and alive. No wonder Kreml is preferred among America's most successful men. Buy a bottle of Kreml at any drug counter. Ask for an application at your barber shop. Use this highly specialized hair tonic daily for better groomed hair, a more hygienic scalp. K-R-E-M-L. Kreml hair tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, what did you discover on that precious roll of film which had already caused the death of one person and a murderous assault upon another? Well, as soon as we reached Scotland Yard's laboratory, Holmes wasted no time in getting permission to develop the photographs. Just hand me that second tray, will you, Watson? The one this side of the red lamp. There you are. There. That does it. Look, Watson. The images are starting to appear. Oh, I'll take your word for it. That red lamp gives about as much light as a glowworm. Sorry, but that's all we can use until we finish the development. Look, Watson. They're coming much, much, much more strongly now. Yes, I see. That seems to be a picture of the rector. Doesn't look to me as though that were worth committing murder for. There are 12 pictures on the roll, Watson. This next one seems to be a somewhat out-of-focus picture of the directory. Oh, that third one, Sharper, evidently a croaky match. I'm quite sure that we haven't gone tearing off on a wild goose chase, Holmes. Impossible, Watson. All the evidence indicates that this film must have been the objective. Ah, well, that looks more interesting. Two girls on the beach in bathing suits. I say, Holmes. What? That girl on the left got a fine figure, eh? Undoubtedly. <laughs> but the composition is not improved by those other people in the middle background. I think that... Watson, hand me that lens, the large magnifier there. Ah, I thought you were displaying a cavalier lack of interest in such a shapely young lady. Well, I trust it's repaying your intense study. Look, Watson, look here. Examine it closely through the lens. Oh, the daring bathing suit, I must say. <laughs> Has no sleeves. Not the girl, you idiot. Huh? The girl? The two men in the background. Take a good look at that one on the right. Oh, there's certainly something familiar about him. Holmes. Holmes, it, it can't be. But it is, Watson. Beyond any shadow of doubt, Professor Moriarty himself, and no nearer to South America than the beaches of England. But I... 
I don't see why Moriarty should have been so anxious to secure this film. After all, Holmes, there's nothing particularly damning in, in a photograph of two men seated on a beach. When one of them is the world's most notorious criminal, and when he's quite ready to commit murder to regain the film. Watson, ask the inspector to call us a car. Where are we going? You and I and this precious film are paying a visit to Sir Edward at the Foreign Office at once. <laughs> Your deduction was absolutely sound, Holmes. You recognize Moriarty's companion then, Sir Edward? Beyond any question. He goes by many names, but our files would indicate that the real one is von Schelling, probably the cleverest among the senior members of the Imperial German Secret Service. Good heavens, a spy. Yes, precisely, Dr. Watson. I should imagine, Sir Edward, that his dealings with Moriarty must be of great importance since they required him to come to England in person. I'm quite sure of it. But the peaceful surroundings of the South Downs and the quiet beaches, what would a spy be doing there? With Portsmouth, England's greatest naval base only a few miles away, and the present situation in Europe, Professor Moriarty does not concern himself with trifles. Under the circumstances, I have no hesitation in telling you two gentlemen that the first trials of our new battle cruisers have been taking place off Portsmouth these last few days. Great Scott! Yes, Doctor in what we thought was the utmost secrecy. There's still a ray of hope, Sir Edward. Moriarty would not have gone to such lengths to suppress this photograph had his transactions with von Schelling been completed. Do you mean, Holmes, that there may still be time to forestall him? Dr. Watson and I will do whatever is in our power, Sir Edward. <laughs> Judging from the sudden change in your expression after your silence this past hour, you've evidently had an inspiration. We must bait a trap, Watson. And that film must be our bait. Professor Moriarty must be in a fury of his bungling subordinates, who have twice failed to recover it. If I know the professor, he'll make the next attempt himself. Oh, you can't take an advertisement in the newspaper, Holmes, to lure Moriarty into a trap. If Alice and her father will cooperate, I have a method that is better than any advertisement. Oh? What's that? Evidently, Watson, you're not acquainted with the post office and the postmistress of the average village, to which Fallworth is no exception. She fills the function of a town crier with the utmost efficiency. She will be our advertisement. Morning, Mr. Kenmore. And how are you this fine morning? And how is poor Miss Alice coming along? Very well indeed, thank you, Mrs. Roberts. Ah, oh, that's a blessing. And what can I do for you today? A shilling's worth of penny stamps, please. I do hope the young lady will be up and about again soon. We miss her cheery face. You know, Mrs. Roberts, there was an odd thing about that robbery at the rectory. What was that? All the intruder took was Alice's camera. Fancy that. After he struck her down. Not a very valuable bit of loot. No, indeed. Alice is glad she happened to remove the film that very afternoon. It's still on the library desk. Is it really now? I must remember to have it developed. Well, it's a mercy that nothing worse happened. Oh, I almost forgot. Here's your stamps, Mr. Kenmore. 
I think I can assure you, Mr. Holmes, knowing our worthy postmistress as I do, that the misinformation I gave her has by now been widely disseminated. Excellent, Mr. Kenmore. And uh, I appreciate what you and Alice have been willing to risk on behalf of your country. At least the falsehood I told was in a worthy cause. I only wish Dr. Watson would let me get out of bed and come downstairs into the library with you when you take up your vigil tonight. I'd like to see that those horrible men get their just desserts. Really, my dear? You sound almost bloodthirsty. Well, I can't say that I blame Miss Ellis for that. If someone had given me a crack on the head, I'd look forward to that downfall. Mr. Kenmore, I would have felt happier if you and Alice were not in the house. But with my knowledge of Moriarty, I fear that he may have the place under observation. And the departure of you and your daughter might make him suspicious. Is that why you and Dr. Watson are wearing those filthy farmer's clothes, Mr. Holmes? Precisely, my dear. Hmm. Eight o'clock. Time we were beginning our vigil. Mr. Kenmore, you will remain on guard with Alice here in her room. No matter what happens in the library, this is your post of duty. Very well, Mr. Holmes. You have your service, Revolver Watson? Certainly. Come then. We must be concealed and in readiness for our visitor at whatever hour he may arrive. <laughs> Two o'clock. I'm so cramped from standing behind these curtains that I thought it must be the morning. What price the peaceful countryside now, Watson? Well, I must say Quiet. that. I... What is it? A faint sound on the gravel path. It might be a nocturnal animal or. No. There it is again. Footsteps. Is your gun ready, Watson? Ready, Holmes. It'll probably come through the French windows. It's the most inviting entrance. On your guard. got you covered. The light switch, Watson, with your left hand. There. Well, Professor Moriarty, we meet again. If it isn't Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Keep that gun on him, Watson, while I see if he's carrying a weapon. And render myself liable to a long prison sentence. My dear Holmes, your retirement to pastoral pursuits must have impaired your reasoning powers. It's all right, Watson. He's unarmed. You can lower your hands now, Professor. But I'd strongly advise against making any sudden move. I wish he would, the dirty traitor. I'm inclined to agree with your sentiments, Watson. Moriarty, for once I intend to take the law into my own hands. I can forgive a criminal, or a forger, or a thief, or even a murderer. But a traitor is something else. I don't understand what you're driving at. Certain backward Balkan countries, Moriarty, have an extremely convenient system of disposing of unwanted prisoners. They are invariably shot while attempting to escape you. You wouldn't dare. You who have always stood on the side of the law. Have you ever known me to break my word? I assure you, Moriarty, that unless you consent to turn over von Schaling to us, together with any information you have for him, you will be dead by the time I count ten. And I promise you that Watson won't hesitate either. No, you bet I won't, Holmes. Take your choice, Moriarty. One, two, three, four. 
All right, Holmes. You win. This time. Hmm. A wise decision. Where were you to meet von Schelling? And what were you to deliver to him? At midnight, tomorrow, on a beach six miles south of here. He has a rendezvous there with a the submarine that is to take him back to Germany. And the figures on the new cruisers are hidden at my lodgings in Portsmouth. We'll keep that appointment with von Schelling tomorrow night. And to make sure that you have no chance for further treachery, you'll remain with us until he's in our hands. This is the spot, Professor Moriarty? 500 yards south of the abandoned dock, yes. Very well. Watson and I will remain here behind these bushes. You, Professor, will walk out alone onto the sands. I intend to take no chances of scaring off our quarry. I haven't much choice in the matter. Just a moment. Yes? Remember that we have you in plain sight, that the moonlight is strong, and that the slightest sign of treachery will be the signal for your well-deserved execution. I won't forget, Mr. Holmes. I hate to think of his going scot-free, Holmes. You cannot hate it more than I do, Watson. But letting him go free is a cheap price to pay for the scotching of his plans and the capture of von Schelling. Here comes a car. This must be von Schelling. No one else would be on this deserted road at this hour of night. Oh, the, the car's stopping. There's only one man in it. He's getting out. It is von Schelling. Ah, Herr Professor. I knew I could depend on you. Right, Watson. Uh, put up your hands, you. The Look out, Watson. <laughs> Quick work, Watson. Oh, curse you, Moriarty. You have betrayed me. Precisely, Herr von Schelling. But why should the fact that a traitor will engage in a double betrayal surprise you? He'll be all right, Holmes. Finding a nasty flesh wound in his leg. Well, Mr. Holmes, you have the papers and the spy. I've kept my part of the bargain. Now you keep yours. Don't worry, Moriarty, I shall. But you can count yourself lucky that the stakes for which we were playing were far more value than your traitorous life. I promise you that next time we meet, you will pay your long overdue reckoning. <laughs> I shall look forward to it. Au revoir till our next meeting. What infernal cheek. I hate to see him go free. No more than I do, Watson. Well, at least we've had the best of the bargain. Now let's load our prisoner into the car. And, and who are you, anyway? The devil? Oh, hardly so eminent a personage, von Schelling. My name is Sherlock Holmes. So? I might have guessed. Oh, he's fainted. Oh, just as well, perhaps. Here, Holmes, we'll, we'll put him in the back seat of the, of the, of the car. Well, you've got the spy, and that finishes that. I wonder. There's an east wind coming, Watson. East wind? Well, I don't think so, Holmes. It's particularly warm. <laughs> Good old Watson. You're the one fixed point in a changing age. There's an east wind coming all the same. Such a wind as never blew on England yet. It will be cold and bitter. And a good many of us may wither before its blast. But it's God's own wind, nonetheless. And a cleaner, better, stronger land will lie in the sunshine when the storm has cleared. Start the car up, Watson. It's time we're on our way.
Now may I introduce one of the outstanding authorities on feminine beauty. He is John Robert Powers, who has received hundreds of thousands of requests from girls all over the country. Girls wishing to join his exclusive Powers Girls. And now, especially transcribed, Mr. John Robert Powers. Good evening, friends. I'm very happy tonight to bring along one of my very attractive Powers Girls, Miss Pat Fordyce. And maybe we can coax Pat to tell us what she considers one of the most important requirements of a Powers girl. How about it, Pat? Well, I think one of the most important requisites is lovely, shining, bright hair. Hair that reflects natural, glossy luster and highlights. I certainly agree, Pat. And I heartily agree with you about using cremel shampoo. Yes, Pat, I advise all my Powers girls to use cremel shampoo. In my opinion... No other shampoo leaves the hair more radiant with such natural gloss and highlights. Why, I've interviewed hundreds of girls with beautiful faces, but with such dull, lifeless-looking hair. Then, after using cremel shampoo, what a difference. Their hair emerges a vision of shining beauty. I love its rich, velvety oil base, too. A very good point, Pat. Because this oil base actually helps hair from becoming dry or brittle. Cremel shampoo also whips up a wonderful, luxurious, active foam, even in the hardest water. Yes, Pat, to glamour bathe the hair, you simply can't beat cremel shampoo. And I sincerely recommend it to every girl who is discouraged about the way her hair looks. To every girl who wants her hair to look its shining best. Thank you, Mr. Powers, and also your very, very beautiful Powers girls, Miss Pat Fordyce. Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week? Well, now, let me see. Uh, next week, I think I shall tell you a weird story about the strange experience of Mr. John Scott Eccles, wherein Holmes solves a murder of a certain Aloysius, or as you say, Aloysius, Garcia, and finds a kitchen full of voodoo fetishes. I call the story The Adventure of Wisteria Lodge. <laughs> Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, His Last Bow. Nigel Bruce appeared by permission of California Pictures. Tom Conway through the courtesy of Eagle Lion Pictures. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight with original music composed and conducted by Alex Steinert. This is Joseph Bell speaking for Kremel Hair Tonic and Kremel Shampoo and inviting you to listen next week at this same time when Dr. Watson will tell us about the adventure of Wisteria Lodge. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Welcome back. Well, uh, this one was good, and I think a worthy appearance for Professor Moriarty. Um, I, I tend to be of the belief that if Moriarty shows up, uh, it really has got to be, uh, it's got to be something uh, big and significant. And uh, certainly, uh, this was. And uh, I, uh, he kind of did tip his hand that Moriarty was uh, involved uh, when he uh, uh, went ahead and uh, started talking about Moriarty. To me, that just said to me, okay, we're going to get to see uh, more Moriarty uh, in this episode. 
Uh, I did love the uh, that quote at the end, the East Wind quote, uh, was actually taken uh, verbatim from the story His Last Bow. And it remains uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's best expression of British patriotism, and of course uh, worked its way into the first of the universal pictures, Sherlock Holmes films from the 1940s, uh, The Voice of Terror. All right, well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, uh, and we got a new review on iTunes. Jeffrey says, I love this show. Adam puts in a lot of time and research, uh, bringing us the tidbits of history for each show. As someone who is a fan of old-time radio shows, I certainly appreciate his dedication. Well, thank you so much, Jeffrey. I appreciate you listening. Uh, that'll do it for now. We will be back tomorrow with yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And next Thursday, another adventure of Sherlock Holmes. In the meanwhile, your comments can be sent directly to me, Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives uh, is our Facebook page. And be sure every month to cast your vote for the show on Podcast Alley, PodcastAlley.GreatDetectives.net. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.